genre. It's Franchiseography, the podcast that digs deep into the entire filmographies of Hollywood's biggest film franchises. I'm Nick Jimenez. I'm Scott Corelli. Today, we are continuing our miniseries on the Spy Kids franchise with the third film released in 2003, Spy Kids 3D, Game Over. And we have a guest. Joining us to talk about the game, the guy, and oops, all green screen is writer, comedian, Hunter Kennedy. Hunter, welcome to the show. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for having me on the show. So, yeah, listeners, welcome back to the Spy Kids season. We're almost there. To uh, to to many people, Halfway. this is this is the final Spy Kids film. Yeah, true. <laughs> a lot of people aren't aware there's a fourth one. So, so Hunter, we wanted to have you on. What what is your personal history with the Spy Kids franchise? So, I had my eighth birthday, I believe. Spy Kids one had just come out, and I remember it was like a phenomenon. Like I remember there was like an expose for it on good morning America. And I told my dad, Hey, I want to do that for my birthday. I want to go see spy kids. And so we went and we saw the first one. I really liked the second one. I remember I saw that one with my grandma and I like that one really got me. That one has a Um, grandma. Yes. Yeah. Very big for grandmas. I think she, (laughs) she came away really learning something from that movie too, taking something away from it. The, I have a very funny family story with spy kids three, because we were on vacation to go visit my grandparents on my dad's side and a very boring kind of vacation, just hanging around a very old house with very old people and my mom to take me away and distract my 11 year old mind told me I could pick between two movies at the movie theater. It was Spy Kids 3 or it was a little indie film called Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. Wow. And (laughs) I chose Spy Kids 3. I remember like even at 11 years old, I could see kind of like the disappointment (laughs) on my mom's I'm picturing like like the watcher like looking (laughs) over you like wasn't for this decision, Hunter Kennedy would be a good. Yeah, man, I can't. I think about that sometimes. Like, would I have? I had a, to it's, like it's, write stuff earlier. It's funny you say that, H. I had a really similar fork in the road moment. I remember my brother asking me, "Do you want to see Pirates of the Caribbean, or we could go see Terminator 3? End of a franchise or beginning? <laughs> yeah, of a franchise. yeah. And I kind of feel like I'm really happy with that choice because, like. Pirates was like really, but then, yeah, yeah. Scott, what did you choose to see instead of Spy Kids 3? Uh, in 2003, I don't know. When yeah. did this come out? In 2003? August. August. Yeah. Man, dog I, days I, of summer. I'm like, sure like, I just saw Pirates of the Caribbean again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It was a good summer. You got Finding Nemo. You had Too Fast, Too Furious. Didn't see that one, but oh, wait, I'm, I'm didn't checking. See that in okay. Yeah. It came out July 25th, 2003. And so, yeah, this was the highest grossing Spy Kids uh, film in the franchise. Uh, Spy Kids 2 made a little bit less than Spy Kids 1, but this made almost $200 million worldwide. Spy Kids 3. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. Wow. If I'm not mistaken, this may have been the first theatrically wide release 3D movie in decades. And I think that's right. 
and 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 we'll get into sort of where 3D was in film in this time period when we get into the history of it. But Scott, I would just I'm really curious to hear like what your general thoughts are because this was your first time watching the movie. Yeah, I um I I I don't know. Cool. <laughs> it was good. It was a Spy Kids movie. It was just like the other two. I think I missed I don't I didn't like the fact that it was just like the Junie show for like an hour. Yeah, see that's why I think it actually isn't very much of a spy kids movie. Yeah, because yes. it's spy kid. And also he's not a spy in this one. There's no gadgets, there's no he's like yeah. retired. So mm-hmm. it's a completely yeah, something- different thing. <laughs> Yeah, we we forgot to cover this in our recap of Spike Kids 2, I, I noticed. But uh, yeah, that movie ends with Junie leaving the OSS. Yeah. Right. To go essentially do the same thing just on his own. Yeah. Yeah. Very. Go, just do missions for the president. <laughs> very like Dick Grayson Nightwing. Yes. Yeah. Has James Bond ever like left M- M- MI6 or has he always been like burned and kicked out? I think if he did, I don't think he went to go open his own spy agency yeah. and just go to in his, in his treehouse. <laughs> yeah, no, he went and he like he like uh, ate scorpions or whatever the, right. whatever yes. the fuck he does. Yeah. Oh, he got he got I, married uh, in one. Yeah. Remember the one? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I was actually curious watching this, especially like the the first like twenty minutes. You guys have seen two recently. Mm-hmm. Is Junie different? in the opening of act three compared to how he ends in act two, because I remember him kind of being more of like a comedic foil in the first two. Well, I, I, yeah, I think you're right on the money age. He, so in the context of Carmen and Junie, the, the dynamic was that Junie was kind of like, yeah, the foil. He was kind of like the kid who was yeah. kind of like, almost like, like a cooler Neville Longbottom. Uh-huh. Okay. Where like, yes, he, he would always get the short end of the stick, but he would recover and jump back up. But in the beginning of this movie, Junie is very, like, stoic and, like, serious. Yeah. They're they're doing, like, Dick Tracy, essentially, like, right? Like, 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 film noir, definitely. Yeah. Like, which we'll, kids we'll talk about love. Let's, we will, sure for kids. sure, for sure. Let's we go will. into the, the development of this thing. Um, but, like, yeah, okay. it, it, was, yes. it was solid. It's a solid, it's a solid yeah. Spy Kids sequel, I guess, you know, and it's the green screen of it all didn't bother me as much because it's within the context of like what it's doing the right. the cheap 3d stuff didn't annoy me as much as i thought it would you know it seemed it was it was fine it was solid Definitely. Yeah. yeah um yeah my overall thoughts are, are are that is like coming back to this one after a while yeah i really miss carmen and it does yeah there's no gadgets there's no hopping around there's no spy stuff and the reason for that is much like every diehard movie this was not originally going to be a Spy Kids movie. Ah, I did not weapon. know that. Also Lethal Weapon. Also Lethal Weapon. Yeah, yeah very true. Yeah. So uh, sometime after Spy Kids 2, but not that long after, Rodriguez was playing video games with his three sons or watching them play video games. And he was like, God, my kids love video games. And <laughs> <laughs> he... <laughs> look at him. <laughs> They can't stop. How did you make a movie about this? They're addicted yeah. to the things. <laughs> and he was like, what if the one, what if there were two, what if there were siblings? And I did like a sci-fi movie for kids where the sibling who loved video games got trapped in one and the sibling who never played video games had to go in and save them. And I could do it all green screen and I could do it digital and it would be great. And so he starts writing it and he gets like 25 pages in and he's like, God, it's taking so long to get to the good stuff because 
it's an original, you know, I have to set up the dynamic between the siblings. I have to like, yeah. well, like, what's their relationship? Why does it matter that one is missing? Blah, 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 blah. And he was like, if this were a Spy Kids movie, <laughs> I, I would just have to be like, Carmen went in, she got stuck. Junie has to come out, out of retirement to rescue her. Boom. Five minutes in, we can get started. Which, like, to his credit, I checked yesterday. They're in the game, like, minute nine. Like, it is insane how quick they are in the game. This is the shortest Spy Kids movie. Mm -hmm. And that was very deliberate. In the commentary, Rodriguez said that this was very much an experiment. He didn't know that he would be able to make, like, quality 3D with the budget that he wanted to have for this movie. So he was like, well, if the 3D is bad and it makes people's heads hurt, I'll make the movie as short as possible so that they'll be out of their misery quicker. Mm-hmm. And then um, make it write a joke into the movie that hangs a lantern on it. Just yes. Like... <laughs> <laughs> About how 3D gives you a headache and it's not. Yeah. not, not and super it sucks. Cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Certainly wouldn't watch a three hour movie in 3D. That's for damn sure. <laughs> so, yeah. So he quickly was like, oh, this should be a Spy Kids movie. He went to Dimension and was like, hey, what if it was this? And they're like, do you want more money? And he was like, fuck you. <laughs> more uh, money. <laughs> How about less and, money? Yeah, give me less. $34 million. <laughs> I want to pay you to make this thing. Come yeah. on. And so uh, he got right to work. Uh, a brief note on, on 3D. The road of the movie was fairly, you know, well, it was incredibly fast. Mm-hmm. This was shot. He was shooting this and either December of 2002 or January of 2003. Okay. Wow. Uh, yes. And he was shooting <laughs> shooting this while in post-production on Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Right. Right. Which, they came out within months of each other, which right? He shot, which he shot prior <laughs> to Spy Kids 2. So it's like, that's nuts. <laughs> yes. So it's it's no wonder that he was so shocked that his children were playing video games. He had not seen very much right. of them. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Racer's like almost four feet tall. When I saw them, they couldn't even hold a controller. And now. No, yeah. And so, yeah, the, so that was kind of the breakneck pace, which really affected a lot of the decision making. There is all kinds of cross pollination between Once Upon a Time in Mexico and Spy Kids, I found out. Just because that's where his brain was like living in two separate. There's a part in Once Upon a Time in Mexico where Willem Dafoe is playing the piano and practicing a song, and he's playing the Isle of Lost Dreams theme. <laughs> Just a wild wow. tidbit there. So. <laughs> Incredible. 3D at the time was mostly in the realm of James Cameron IMAX documentaries. Mm-hmm. And it was indeed through James Cameron that Robert Rodriguez really started seeing like the possibility of 3D. And, you know, James Cameron likes inviting people over and showing technology and stuff like that. Uh, main difference between what Rodriguez was going to do and where 3D was at the time. Those big like Ghost of the Abyss Titanic documentaries, mm-hmm. they're filmed on a type of 3D called uh, polarized, polarized 3D. That was like by far like the most technologically advanced 3D, which is why James Cameron liked it. It was state of the art. It was like superior quality and depth, but it was like super big. And there were only 50 theaters in the country at the time that could accommodate that. Right. And Rodriguez this is, was like, this is prior to the real 3D days. Yes, and real 3D would end up being a evolution of the the polarized technology. Right. Uh, but we weren't there yet in 2003. Right. So uh, in order for this to be a wide-release movie, which is, of course, what Rodriguez wanted it to be, he wanted this to be like a, a summer movie release, he used something much more old-school called Anaglyph 3D. And Anaglyph 3D is like the classic red and blue glasses that you got in theaters. It was much easier to project 
in the the projectors that people were going to have in 2003 at your regal cinemas and your amcs and whatnot yeah right and he was like oh this is perfect because uh you know when he went to go see like house of wax the the vincent price 3d movie he was like yeah this is cool but like the way you had to make film at the time is you would just plant the camera and stuff could either move towards or away from you Mm -hmm. but what cameron created with these like imax documentaries was something called a convergence like a point of convergence where the camera moved and found the optimal point of 3d with whatever it was recording Mm -hmm. you know be it actor or debris and as we went a lot into in Spike Kids 2, Rodriguez loved HD video's ability to offer immediate playback. Mm-hmm. When they were filming 3D movies in the 50s, they didn't know how it looked until they went and watched and, and processed the film. Right. But with digital, yeah. they could literally show Antonio Banderas or Sylvester Stallone like, hey, you're doing this. It, this is what it looks like. So do this. They even had 3D on set. And Amazing. so. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I, I, that's. And insane to me in 2000 and what two when they were for, late 2002 uh no like like 2003 early right. 2003 the, the oh year my the, god and yeah. it's crazy because like you know I, I was watching all these documentaries of them in the green screen and and we'll get into you know the movie's mostly just like tricks so we'll we'll go we'll get through that in the walkthrough uh but this was a fifth they filmed this on a 15 foot green screen so what i was anticipating going into this movie was to see kind of a loss of the in- invention and creative charm of the other two. But I think there's just as much in there because like there's still operate. He's given himself, once again, a very limited set of tools and resources to pull this mm-hmm. off. So yeah, I have mixed some feelings about the movie, but there's a lot of fun stuff in here. I can't wait to get into it. Yeah. So, so when you, when you saw this movie in theaters, you got the red and blue lenses, you got paper, paper glasses. glasses. Yeah. Red and blue lenses, and they looked like the ones in the movie, just made of yes, paper. Absolutely. Look just like the the glasses that Mike Judge and Salma Hayek give to Junie. Was the whole thing in 3D or just the game um, portions? I don't know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So whenever Junie puts on his glasses or takes yeah. off his glasses, there were big bold letters on the screen that said, Take off your glasses now. Because oh. Rodriguez really wanted to sit in a theater. And look over his shoulder and see a bunch of people put on and take off glasses together. <laughs> what a weird want from a filmmaker. <laughs> yeah. But I get it. No, if if, if I remember correctly, th- they give you like a very quick instructional video before. And yeah. that clip of Antonio Banderas going, glasses, quick. Like, I, mm-hmm. I rem- it's like burned into my brain yes, from absolutely. being a kid and being like, oh, my God, that's so cool. Yeah, like I haven't thought about this in 15 years. But, yeah, I have. That. Yeah. And, yeah, it was weird. And he was like, "Oh, there nothing could be more immersive for a kid to put on the glasses when the when the hero is doing it and be like you're seeing what he's seeing." Yeah. Huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, uh do we want to get into the movie then? Yeah, we start in an abandoned water park in Austin, <laughs> Texas. Um incorrect. Mm-hmm. We start with the credit a Robert Rodriguez digital file, which I yes. can't <laughs> I can't let pass by. No, sure. that's a good point. Uh, I'll tell you what; it's very accurate. So there was such this. He shot this in a year, yeah. And he was like, "I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull this off. There's a chance that we're just going to have to use animatics. No, just in case we're going to have to use animatics. And if we do, it's okay because it looks like a shitty N64 video game. Yeah. And yeah. so sure enough, they got down to the wire and they weren't able to put the finishing touches on like the bouncing frog level. 
Yeah. I was going to say that is the worst, yeah. I think. So, yeah. but yeah, so it looked even worse when you and I saw it in 2003, H, because they did screen the movie with unfinished animatics. So the version that we watched has been updated from yes. what we saw. Wow. Yeah, much like Life that... of Pablo, Robert Rodriguez was fixing the movie after the theatrical because it was like, it's not on film. It's just going to come out on DVD. It'll look great on the DVD and then it'll look good forever. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's insane to me. Incredible. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So we're introduced to Junie Cortez, private detective, gumshoe. Yep. Literal gumshoe. Literal gumshoe. Yeah. Taking up cases to... At, at for five nine for four ninety nine a pop mm-hmm. uh, to save up um, to buy a game called Game Over. Yeah, and his uh, first client in the movie is San Antonio native Selena Gomez. Oh, is that who that is? In her oh, film oh debut. Oh my god! There's this crazy story that he told her. He was like, "Yeah, I just found her through Central Casting, and we were shooting it." And I turned to her mom, like, "Wow, she's really good. Like, what what are you planning on doing?" Like, "Oh, we're gonna move out to L.A. She wants to get into music." And he was like, "No." Oh. <laughs> Wow. Wow, that's incredible. Yep. He was like, don't do it. That's a bad idea. <laughs> um and uh and yeah, it's it's I, I like the joke that she just doesn't get that her like other people own the theme park. It's not her theme park. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. H I have a question. How cool did the game over game look to you in two thousand and three as a kid? I think the game itself didn't necessarily seem that cool, but like the idea of and I think that, like, even to this day, it's still, like, like, like the dreamatorium and in, in community, right? Like, the mm. idea to walk into a room and uh, have, like, the entire room manipulate into a world that you are interacting with. Kind of like the the best part of X3, the the opening scene where they're doing that tutorial, right? Or the the training, like... Yeah. It, I think that, that that was really cool to me as a kid. And I think that was the first time, like, that idea kind of, like appeared to me oh, like sure. oh wow it's it's really cool because like i found myself thinking about things like sword art online the anime mm-hmm. uh, yes or or ready player one and mm-hmm. it is weird how this kind of is this like echo predating a lot of that stuff yeah, yeah there are moments in this movie uh I, we will talk about one very big one in particular like way later but like he kind of did these cool like avant-garde things in this one that i feel like a lot of movies have aped in the years since where I'm like, oh, wow, like it, they did it this early as 2003. Yeah. No, it's interesting. Uh, Scott, while he's, while Junie's waiting in line, uh, he sees a, a news broadcast, right? Yeah. We're introduced to Sylvester <laughs> Stallone in the movie um, wearing a crooked fake mustache and, and playing a character. Cause like, you know, S- Sylvester Stallone's playing the toy maker in this, the creator mm-hmm. of the game. He has these three other versions of him that he talks to, mm-hmm. um, that he programmed himself. And I assume this is another one, but we it, never see this one again. That so, was my question is like, is this a projection? Is he luring the kids? You know? Yeah. Like, is he, is this coming from inside of his digital prison? It must be right. Yeah. There's just something so unsettling about like, if, if we got ads at like bus stops and gas station terminals where it was like, it's me, the man who made Grand Theft Auto five, right? Like, like come if, on down. Right. Like, like if when the new Tesla came out, there were commercials where it was clearly Elon Musk with like a Mario mustache <laughs> <laughs> luring you to buy a car. Yeah. None of these kids have parents, right? Yeah. They're all in line by themselves, ready to buy this game with their piggy banks. <laughs> I like how Judy like wants almost almost a good person. 
and then he's like prizes i was like no fuck that and he's <laughs> yeah he doesn't even like try to justify it to be like well if i win the game and win all the prizes i'll have more money to give to charity like yeah. it's he doesn't even justify it that way he just like nope <laughs> we get a really cool shot of junie walking down congress avenue in austin in front yeah. of the uh the, the the state capitol that's also where the premiere was held oh there's an asshole kid in line Mm -hmm. you know junie takes two steps away from the line and then tries to get back to his spot and the kid's like fuck you get to the back of the line uh which was not cool i don't this yeah that kid's an asshole this was the year before (laughs) halo 2 which was the most i ever was hyped for a video game Mm. and like i think and granted, like, I get that probably 60% of the stuff that he writes is children roles, but Robert Rodriguez really knows how to write bullies, I yeah. think. Oh, yeah. And I think, like, the, the, the ground jewel is in Sharkboy and Lava Girl, which has, like, an oh, all-time oh, yeah. grade bully. <laughs> oh, yeah. A bully so mean that he becomes, like, brainiac. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just through sheer will to bully, it just becomes <laughs> this monster. The next scene is Junie going to his uh, treehouse, right, in, in, in disappointment and shame. Yeah, but because because he broke his piggy bank by falling and all of his money yes. just like fluttered his money away into the wind, flew in, <laughs> into the hands of in, the bully. In, I imagine. Yeah, into into the ether of abandoned Austin, Texas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man, who knows where it is now? <laughs> Desolate and abandoned Austin, Texas. All, all fifty dollars. <laughs> Originally, there was going to be a scene in between these two. After Junie breaks his piggy bank and his money flies away, we were going to cut to Valentine's house, the grandpa. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and the grandpa was going to be hanging out with three of his old ex-spy buddies, and they were going to be talking about the old days and being like, "Wow, like you've been in this wheelchair almost thirty years. Like, did you ever get revenge on the person who did it?" And he's like, "No, we never found the toy maker." And that was supposed to set up. His relationship with the grandpa. Yeah, I think that would have been extremely helpful. Yeah, uh, he, he was really- as a kid. He well, and even yesterday watching it, he comes out of nowhere. Yeah, in this film. And, and you can tell in the commentary, it's a bit of a sore spot for Rodriguez. It's like, yeah, it makes the movie worse. It's like we weren't able to set it up and had this idea. The reason he wasn't able to film the scene is uh, they had it scheduled until the very end of the shoot. It was going to be the last thing they shot because they were going to fly to L.A. to shoot at Ricardo Montalban's house. Oh. Uh, just okay. for, you know, for his comfort. Yeah. And yeah. the spy buddies were going to be played by Sir Roger Moore and Sir Sean Connery. Oh, that would have been so cool. Whoa. Yes. The toy maker blew off your legs, Valentin. <laughs> <laughs> and ironically, Roger Moore was the one who was unavailable. He had um, like like a, a stage commitment that he wasn't oh. able to break. Wow. And wow. so I love that. I love the idea of that scene of a st- of like Robert Rodriguez establishing Ricardo Montalban on the same level as two previous James Bonds. Yeah. Like yes. just, almost, just like retconning him into like of it's, like classic spy character. Yeah. Canon. Is it established in the first two what he what what is his what he did? I think we're just left to infer that both of them are spies because they have gadgets on them. Yeah. And they have spy children of their own and then, yeah. and then they have but, spy. Yeah, but there's definitely yeah. never a scene where they're like, We used to be spies or we're in the OSS too or whatever. Right. Okay. Yeah. And the but, grandma uh, is not Jane Fonda, to be clear, correct? No, it's Holland Taylor. Okay. See, yeah. they should do uh uh he Robert Rodriguez should do a prequel. Set in like the the eighties or something, seventies oh, yeah. or eighties, 
with like a young, get somebody to play young Ricardo Montalban, get Milo Ventimiglia to play young toy maker. Whoa, and, hell yeah. Like, oh. and, do, and do like, yeah, do like spy children of our own. Like, and it's like the prequel. Yeah. Cause I mean, like, you know, Machete is their uncle and like Machete movies are hardcore. So like, yeah, yeah. that's definitely feels like it's eerie how he retconned Machete like that. Because <laughs> when he shows up now in Spy Kids, it's like. It's I mean, eerie. It, it it would be like having like a serial killer show up in it. Like yeah. he is essentially right. a serial killer. Like, he says <laughs> the reason that we're not covering the the Machete movies in this mini series is because Rodriguez is like it's an alternate universe, right? Okay, which which yeah. is how he explains like Alexa Vega showing up in like you know yeah Machete she plays kills. like Killjoy, right? Is the character yeah. that she plays? Yeah, Machete kills. Yeah, yeah. Weird, it, weird casting decision. It's still eerie to me, though, that he's only two or three decisions away from becoming a serial killer, essentially. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, he's... <laughs> I wonder what I'd be doing in another universe. And <laughs> yeah. Man, I, my, I've never seen the Machete movies, but my impression of them is that what if Jason Voorhees was a hero? Basically. Yeah. yeah. He's, yeah. he's not kind <laughs> to his fellow man. Yeah. To the, yeah, it's like to the, like the Batman you know, or yeah. the old guy from Don't Breathe. Like, to the wrong person, yeah. he's very scary. Right, right. Okay, fair enough. Okay, so we so we move on to uh, President George Clooney calling <laughs> up Junie yeah. and being like, hey, we need you to come back to the OSS. Mm-hmm. Your sister is missing, and we need you to, mm-hmm. to go find her. And that's how they pull him out of retirement. Clooney credits Rodriguez with giving him his big break in movies and from Dusk Till Dawn. Oh, right, right, right. He was like, the way he tells it is like, oh, before that, I was just a TV guy, but Robert took a chance on me. And Robert's like, I don't know about that, but I'll take it, you know? <laughs> yeah. I always forget that he directed From Dust Till Dawn because I, I associate it so heavily with Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino. Even though yeah. I know that he didn't direct it, it's right. like, there's like yeah. this weird disconnect. So like, when George Clooney showed up in the first one, I was like, oh, that's fun. I don't know why they know each other, but I guess like, because <laughs> I just forgot that. Yeah, from Dust no, for Dawn, sure. I think obviously, yeah. More, more so than like Death Proof and Planet Terror back to back, I think Dust Till Dawn really does feel like a true blending of those two dudes' minds. Yeah, yeah. For sure. I think like they wrote it together for each other. It's got like the dialogue of Tarantino, I feel like, but like, yeah. I don't think Tarantino could think of like Wolfman yeah. the way that fucking Rodriguez could. Yeah, it's, it's almost like the first half is a Quentin Tarantino movie, and then the second half turns into a Robert Rodriguez movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Rodriguez called up Clooney and he was like, hey, do you want to be in this in Spy Kids 3? And he's like, yeah, I think I got some free time in May. And he's like, what if I literally just go to your house in L.A. and just film in your living room? And so they did. They filmed it in like an hour. Clooney was wearing pajama pants under the suit. Incredible. In and out. Incredible. (laughs) Everything. Like, I love the fact that, like, the way that he got everyone to come and work on this movie is just like literally least amount of work possible and you get a paycheck like just yeah yes he what he did (laughs) what uh so very few actors in this movie are physically together right he basically called he he was like hey we're called in everyone he called in everyone (laughs) hey the movie's coming out in august it's january tell me when you're available and just come to the austin and we'll we'll shoot you in a day Mm -hmm. and that's that's kind of yeah incredible 
And but. I mean, in in a good way, I think it shows in the energy of this movie. It has like a very, <laughs> I kind of, it feels like an independent film energy. Mm-hmm. Like, he, yeah, that's how he said he compared it to indie film. He also compared it to Photoshop. Sure. Well, yeah, the, the original indie film. So after uh, he finds out about Carmen, he goes to the OSS, which is a giant three uh, three building compound, mm-hmm. each building shaped like an O, an S, and an S. Um, and this is when we're introduced to Donovan's wife, Salma Hayek. What did did you think of that reveal, Scott? Um, I, it doesn't make any sense, uh, (laughs) logistically in terms of like, of like, there's no way Salma Hayek would ever marry this, this guy, but, but I did not like wiener. Yeah, I didn't like that. The, like he was the villain of the last movie. Now he's like, uh, they just like never booted him out. Salma well, Hayek just like gave him what for and yeah. straightened him uh, out. Well, well, the what for she gave him is played off like a sex joke, right? Oh, I think she, she beat the hell out of him. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Because he 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 says like, oh, she really like laid into me, and then she's like, oh, stop. And I was like, okay, so okay, yeah, she beat him yeah, mercilessly. She, like, she's mad uh, that he's uh, joking yeah, about she, like, it in the workplace. Dropped it into a volcano. <laughs> Great. Yeah, yeah, they explain away his misdeeds in like one line. But but the Spy Kids movies are all about forgiveness and redemption, so it That's is in true. line with. That's yeah. true. That is true. Um, yeah, he has another big role in this movie. Mike Judge, just <laughs> yeah. he's just in this movie again. <laughs> yeah, no, I like I like Salma Hayek uh, in this. I was wondering when she was going to show up in one of these movies. Yeah, so is she. Like, yeah. Because she's like uh she's she's like the Robert Rodriguez good luck charm in a lot the, of ways. Yeah, you know? the Spy Spy Kids one and two are the only movies where uh, the two don't work together. Wow. Besides she's El Mariachi, every other one of his movies besides the like his and, launcher and and yeah El Mariachi and then I think yeah Spy Kids one and two. Wow. That's I don't know wow. if she's in the Machete movies, but up to this point they had been in every movie together. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I I still I mean you know we. Uh, I guess there's no point in not bringing it up ne- until like now, but like the fact that we get the explanation of who Donovan's wife is, uh, first of all, like is is she is, is she uh, the the other giggles? Yeah. Oh hell yeah! No, yeah. I, I wrote down in my notes. Yeah, yeah. G- Gary and Gertie giggles half Latino confirmed. What's wow. Up? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Yes. Um, they are very blonde. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, they 100 got every trait from their father. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I feel like it's a missed opportunity that we never met Gregorio's parents. Like we never meet that side of right. Yeah, the the Cortez family. Like like Salma Hayek is like, well, hey, Salma Hayek would be a great Spy Kids villain. Yeah, very true. Um, but yeah, if she was like Gregorio's sister or yeah, like if they had, yeah, that would have been cool. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they still could have made her the sister. <laughs> oh, that's oh they're, wow. They're like yeah. they end up being related or something and then they can make jokes about her having a crush on her cousin <laughs> that's probably why they didn't do it um, <laughs> yeah so, yeah and, and like hunter said like yeah we're already they give you they give you the glasses everyone in the theater put on their glasses and we're in the game yeah which means yeah, yeah we we're only 10 minutes through talking about this movie which is yeah. so wild that all of that happens um, in the first nine minutes oh uh, this is a cool thing the 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 watch that donnegan gives junie where it's like you only have 12 hours that was a a reference to Escape from New York, which mm-hmm. is which was Robert Rodriguez's favorite movie when he was twelve. So he wanted to write a hero having a time limit movie. Okay, uh, Fair enough. I like that. His, yeah. his other favorite movie when he was twelve was The Road Warrior, oh. and that comes up in this movie again too. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Okay. 
His his favorite movie as a kid being those two movies makes a lot of sense. Yes. Especially when you think of like Death Proof or yeah. not Death Proof, the other one, Planet Terror. Planet Terror, for sure. Yeah. Planet Terror, the Machete movies and like Yeah. yeah. And like, those little... apocalyptic freaks in those movies. <laughs> yeah. And he was 12, he's completely you know? like dulled his senses when it comes to like ultra violence too. Yeah. Like, you yeah, can always you tell know. those kind of directors, their introduction to R rated films at a young age, I think is right. kind of what fuels that creativity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the f- first level we talked about earlier, Junie shows up and he's in like the, the pre viz <laughs> level. He actually comments on the graphics and how shitty they are. Yeah, he he had Daryl Sabara say that in ADR and had it ready to go as a file in case they didn't make it. That's a really smart way to just like hang a lantern on the fact that you couldn't get the movie done, yeah. you know? Just- and like and he was like, "Oh cool, like I can make them it can look like a cartoon because it's a children's it's a video game made by someone named the Toy Maker." Right. Yeah. So, right. so he wrote himself into a Yeah, the and the bouncing 3D effects, I remember being really cool as a kid. A lot of the tricks in here are, are just playing with movement and perception by moving the camera. Yeah. In really interesting ways. Because, like, yeah, they didn't have a lot of green screen space to move around in. Right. Okay. Yeah. That that much was obvious, especially later when they're all, uh, quote, unquote, running. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Scott, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go. I've been waiting to tell you this all week. The way they did that is they went to an academy, Sports Outdoors, uh-huh. and they bought a treadmill and painted it green. And oh, no. they had Daryl Sabara on a cable. And so like the scene where he walks in front of the game over poster and does like a superhero pose, he's yeah. just walking on a treadmill until the camera gets to where it needs to be. And then he hops off the camera and physically steps. Yeah. So it's wow. a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Kudos to Robert Rodriguez for being able to make a movie in which nothing is real and somehow making it like 90% work. <laughs> Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. Like, he planned out his shots that well that, like, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. I was yeah, surprised th- by that. I was like, none of this is real. All of these kids are walking around a garage, and yet, yeah. like, we, we've we made a movie that has, like, a plot you can follow. Yeah, like, that's I think it's surprising. <laughs> and the like, sequences have, like, a fun energy to them, like the yeah. movement and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, we, we meet the hacker boys or the, 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 uh, the beta testers. Yeah, the beta yes. testers. Um, who all uh, bully poor Junie. Yeah, yeah, essentially three identical bullies show up. There's, yeah. a, there's a smart one. A cool one. Yeah, the cool one's name is Rez. And then the little one, high Rez. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was the, best, that was the yeah. best joke in the movie. That got me. I, I... <laughs> yeah, and then Arnold is the little strong one with mm-hmm. the, the goggle glasses. Yeah. Who I was, and this for is, half this movie, I was convinced was Taylor Lautner. Yeah. Uh, there was yeah. something about him that looked very Sharkboy to me. Do, do you think that we would have Sharkboy and Lava Girl if it wasn't for this movie? I mean, do you think that he kind of worked out a lot of the kinks with this yeah, one? I 100%. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, this was totally, whether he knew it or not, I think the fact that, like you said, Scott, he pretty much accomplished, like, you know, mission accomplished. Mm-hmm. He did it. And so he was like, oh, what else can mm-hmm. I do? Maybe I can do something even weirder and not a Spy Kids sequel. Because right. it was, what, two years to the month yeah. later. So he went, like, right into that. He was like, let's do this again, baby. Yeah. And, well, we might talk about that. We don't know yet. We don't know what our in-between That's, a, that's up be. to you, Nick. <laughs> we better decide. Oh, y'all have uh, to like talk next about week, though. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, all because it's either that or shorts, which I've never yeah. seen. I feel like Shark Boy and Lava Girl is the one that people are going to be more interested in us talking about. That, that's yeah. what the streets yeah. want. For yeah. Sure. yeah. So this was kind of what Rodriguez called the N64 level yeah. of because like these are all just based on games that his sons like to play. And he was like, oh, my kids love Mario and Nintendo. So I want to make like a jumpy cartoon world. This is like Frogger Pogo Stick, my yeah. kid's favorite game. <laughs> <laughs> So he asked the beta testers, like, what's the fastest Mm -hmm. way to level two? And they're like, oh, yeah, uh, just uh, jump on that target and go to the moon. And he was like, great. (laughs) And so he does it and he loses a a life, of course. Like a gullible idiot. Yeah, because he's a gullible idiot. He just he just trusts people. I don't know. There's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that. Bless his heart. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I like I've I've really grown to like Junie over the course of these three movies. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in this one, he he's kind almost to a like insane fault. Like he does very dumb things in the spirit of like kindness in this. Yeah, film. like like trusting. I mean, yeah, there's that great moment where he like tries to shake Demetra's hand and accidentally like clocks her. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so he's on the moon, and then that's mm-hmm. when he gets a call from the OSS, and they're like, "Hey, we can send you help. Who do you want?" And he was like, pull up the family files. And then they start going through all the family files. And then that's when he picks his grandpa because, much like Daredevil, <laughs> the loss of his legs for 30 years means that his arms, heart, and brain must be working at like three times the capacity yeah. of a normal human. We have so, to talk about this. Do you guys think that if you become crippled and then you and then you somehow learn to walk again, you will now have like super speed, uh, super strength? Yeah, because like there's a graph to illustrate it where you have like swirling red energy. <laughs> yes. At, like, oh, because because like half of his body is paralyzed. The potential energy, Junie says, has just been storing for thirty years. <laughs> it is. Uh, just made He's him, all like, potential energy. Yeah. And so they bring they bring Valentine into the game. Grandpa's back. Mm-hmm. So there was this um there's a story I have mixed feelings about where uh Rodriguez said that he was looking at this publicity photo of Ricardo Montalban for Spy Kids 2, where it's like, you know, he's in the wheelchair but his arms are crossed. You know, like the photos that are gonna be on like posters and Disney Adventure and all that stuff. And he was like, Wow, he looks so majestic. He's just still so charismatic how great would it be to give him more to do in the second one Mm -hmm. and then he like like photoshopped the lower half of his body out and designed like a robot suit and he was like oh that would be that would be really great and i think where we end the grandpa's arc is really cool yes yes but i have mixed feelings about like (laughs) that that the 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 30 yeah. minutes we spend where he's like, holy crap, having legs is great. Having legs is great. This is so cool. I, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know I, if that's like the message. I can't tell if it's in bad taste or not because Ricardo Montalban seems to be on board. Like, right. He yeah. seems he, to really was, love it. Yeah. Uh, like, like love being able to do this. He looks so like proud and like happy mm-hmm. to be doing this, but it feels wrong like it just, yeah like yeah. that, that yes. concept yeah like yeah <laughs> yeah it's fucked up they're called mega legs they're they're um they're it, called they're, they're called mega legs and but yet it's not just legs i was expecting him to have like like darth maul spider legs or something but yeah. then it's like no it's a full robot suit so it's when the it's uh, not just yeah, legs. when the when the stallone robot is like listing off grandpa's stats and he's like 
Cons, physically disabled. I was like, woof. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what do you think about the scene where the grandpa, I have mixed feelings. I think it's a cool idea where he becomes distracted by the butterfly. Yeah. And he kind of forgets and he's like, go on, Junie. As a kid, I was like, oh, it's kind of cool. It's like he, he loses himself and he, he becomes like a little kid again, but it's kind of awkwardly staged. Well, yeah, because they don't explain the fact that the butterfly is the toy maker and that's and he knows that <laughs> and that's why he's chasing after the uh, butterfly. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I see, I didn't even pick that up watching this as a 29 year old man yesterday. So uh, <laughs> I definitely don't think I got that as a kid until he gives, I mean, I, I I took a video of it and sent it to Nick, but the monologue that he gives to that butterfly is... You are causing the... so much pain. <laughs> <laughs> Ricardo is not a hell of an actor. I mean, Only just I can amazing. destroy you now. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, we'll, we'll get into how much he brings it as the movie oh, goes on. Man. Yeah. But, yeah but, and so, from, from, from our perspective at this point, it looks like he just gets his legs and then bails on Junie. And Junie's like, yes, Bye, it Junie. looks like he immediately runs away from his grandson yeah. the second yeah. that he can. He's just like, yeah. I brought you into help what are you doing okay <laughs> bye how does he get off the moon i don't he, remember he doesn't so he finds oh, the battle okay. mech uh stadium it's on the moon it's That's on right. the moon yeah i have uh, questions about the battle mech stadium sure yes. sure 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 why does that one kid run it and does the toy maker employ him or is this just kind of what he likes to do when he plays the game is run right yeah it, is arena? that guy is he an npc or is he a player because there's that moment where he teleports. Yes. Yeah. Kind okay. of like Demetrius, right? That's why I right? think he's an NPC. I think oh, it's the right, first. Yeah. I think it's the first inkling that Demetra is an NPC. Okay. Right. It's like, okay. oh, there are NPC kids in this game. You so know? that means so, that everything he encounters in this level is generated by the toy maker. There's no other humans yeah. that he encounters. Okay. That's yeah. interesting. Okay. Yeah. So that kid, I thought that kid was doing really good. The one that's like, all right, hey, I, I, I bet 20 grand against you. Good luck. And I'm watching and I'm like, is that Glenn Powell? No. And I looked it up. And yes, that was Austin native Glenn Powell in his feature film debut. Wow. Uh, set it up, listeners. Yeah. Everybody, everybody wants some. Oh, my gosh. I had yeah. mixed feelings about being able to spot like 12 year old Glenn Powell. Yeah. I think, yeah. I, think I might watch too many movies. <laughs> What? Wow. Yeah. What a debut. That's crazy. And doing a role that he doesn't really do now that he's like an adult, like kind of like a geeky, right. super yeah. hyped, like, yeah. He, he's, too, he's too much of a beefcake now. We'd only buy oh, yeah. him in like a, a Top Gun movie. Yeah. Beefcakes cannot be geeky. Not in, in my experience. <laughs> he can't be a geek cake and a beefcake. <laughs> Holy shit. So this mech battle, I remember thinking it was really cool as a kid. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I think that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> it's like why he did all of this. The thing about the, the, the battle mix that I think is interesting is like, I, you cannot convince me that Guillermo del Toro didn't watch this and be like, Oh, this would be oh, better yeah. if there were two of them. Yeah. Just like watching the boy this. and the girl should be together. Yeah. He's <laughs> watching this and he's like, where is Carmen? <laughs> they should be yeah, doing no. this together. <laughs> Yeah, H. We talked about how, like, yeah, uh, uh, Carmen and Junie would be a hundred percent drift compatible. Yeah. Oh, one. Yeah. 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 yeah no, you're <laughs> right. The design of the mechs is like almost like a one to one ratio. I feel like of Pacific Rim one, uh-huh. it, especially the 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 part where they're where they're running in place and the robot is copying their movements is almost yes. exactly how like the Jaegers operate. Yes. 
Yes, except you need two people. Yes, because our brains because are not so. powerful enough. Yeah. We can <laughs> much, whatever. Yeah. So, uh, Demetra, when she was cast, I don't have the actor's name in front of me, unfortunately. She had like long blonde hair, and Rodriguez was like, "Oh, I kind of feel I want Demetra to kind of have like this anime look." So, like, would you mind cutting your hair like really short and dyeing it black? And so she did, and he was like, "Oh hell yeah, you look great." And then later on, they met up at the premiere, and she still had her hair like that. And he was like, "Oh cool, yeah. oh, <laughs> she likes it." Um, she didn't act for much longer after this. Uh, oh. It seems like she has kind of bailed on the acting career. Hey, fair enough. Yeah, she did. Yeah. She had like a a, a large ish role, I guess, in um, because of Win Dixie. Remember that? Whoa, I remember the book. Oh, I never wow. saw the movie. Yeah, uh, yeah, and then and then that was kind of it after that. So. You know, I almost feel like there is a higher average of you bailing the younger that you start. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, and I think I, like as an actor, you want a role like Spy Kids 3D where you can be like you can show people you can tell you can always say like I had that role. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, I, and then drop the mic and be like, that is a life experience right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine like, you know, being like a teacher or like, you know, working at a store or whatever. But you knew when you were 11 or 12, you were like in Spy Kids 3 and you had yes. like, a cool <laughs> moment. Because like, um, unlike. These kids were so spoiled in the best way because, like, most kid roles in movies are pretty shitty. Yeah. And they're rarely asked to play a character or have emotions and stuff. So it's it's understandable why a lot of kid actors are like, fuck this, and then burn, you know, bounce. Well, and it's also just, like, kids in general, man, like, they will have an interest that they go fucking hard on. And then right. out of nowhere, just be like, oh, I'm not into that anymore. I like this thing now. You know, right. That's yeah. like that's yeah. like a normal kid thing. Like as you grow up, your your interests change, you know? Yeah. Like I'm 19. I don't want what I wanted when I was 11. Yeah. That's I think that's that... why so many kid actors like go crazy because they become so big that they can't quit because it's like I have all of these people in my mm-hmm. life dependent on my income. And yeah. it's like I can't stop being an actor, even though I want to. And then I think that just drives them a little, a little crazy. And then they, yeah, that's when they start getting into like bad stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So think about some of the work emails you've had to send in your late twenties, and then imagine like having to send those as like a twelve-year-old, or having to at least like <laughs> help like oversee them. Like some of the business stuff that those child actors have to do. It's yeah. like. Introducing them to a world that they should not have to, or be if they're, or if they're yet. not doing the business stuff, then they they might be manipulated by all of the yes. adults in their lives. Yeah, you know, you know, the person who is doing the business stuff is not telling them everything. Exactly. Yeah. Well, speaking of the attention span of the children, the toy maker would have been fucked if he had kept this up for longer. Because like Fortnite came along, Gears of right. War came along, like he yeah. he was going to be run out of business eventually, and then he would have just been stuck in there. Yeah. True. <laughs> Yeah, so like Demetra is defeated, but it's sad because Junie likes her. Right. It's weird how they slowly position Junie as like the kind of like James Bond, where like he has like a different love interest every movie. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Although this is gr- a real love interest, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. right. <laughs> it's a kind of a her love interest. It's weird that they never bring up the president's daughter. I know they shouldn't be a sore spot, but I thought they had great chemistry in Spy Kids too. Yeah. So this is when we get the Stallone hologram alternates. Yeah, so Stallone has actually been a part of the Spy Kids story from the beginning, it turns out. Robert Rodriguez in 1997 was at the Venice Film Festival at uh, an event Miramax was hosting in a celebration of the release of Copland. And uh, yeah. 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 And so Rodriguez (laughs) was like, Stallone was across the room from me 
when I first pitched Spy Kids to Bob Weinstein. Mm. And so that weekend was also when he met Stallone and they talked about painting and hung out and just broed down. And Rodriguez was like, oh, you're so funny. Like, you're a really funny guy. Everyone hates your comedies, but you're you're like a really funny guy. I'm going to I'm going to make a comedy with you. Mm. And so he's writing game over and he's like, oh, this game is really um, athletic and has a lot of jumping and different kinds of stuff. So like, yeah, maybe the toy maker would be this more athletic guy. And so he calls Stallone and he's like, hey, do you want to be in this movie? You play five different characters. It's a kid's movie. Stallone's kids thought he was a professional golfer. <laughs> he had, why he had, Why wouldn't he yeah. let his kids watch the Rocky movies? <laughs> the f- That's, I, yeah. Maybe maybe as a kid, they just weren't into like Rocky <laughs> right. when they were like five. I don't know. Because apparently his children are like, like in their late 20s now. Okay. Okay. They still uh, think he's a professional they golfer. They still think he's a professional golfer. They've never seen Creed. Um, <laughs> and so he was like, hey, do you want to come to Austin? It's just going to be me and you and like in a green screen you get to make these five characters and your kids can watch it. And he and he was into it. And they shot him out. And like they shot him in five days, one day for each Stallone character. Is this the only it seems time like... that they've worked together? Yeah, I'm pretty sure, unfortunately. Oh, man. It seems like Robert Rodriguez is like the most charismatic dude because all of these like huge roles he gets. The story is, yeah, he just approached me and like pitched it to me and got me to do it. Like, yeah, and he's like, it's it's gonna be fast. There's a part in the commentary where he's like, the way I schedule it is a, it's easy, but then b, for five days, Stallone felt like he was the star of the movie. Right. Like, yeah. like with Steve Buscemi, he's like, I really focus on Buscemi and really work with him, and then I shoot him out and he leaves and. There's very little of the sitting around and waiting in costume and feeling like kind of like a cog in the machine. Right. That's yeah. cool. That's a really cool way to approach something like this. Yeah. It, it comes in handy with the way that he likes making movies. Yeah. Because um, I really like company. I really like I would I would love to sit around in costume and be bored because that's I'm from theater and that's what it is. But I understand like wanting to like go get in and get out and that kind of. Yeah. Way. He's got such like an indie filmmaker mentality that I think there's so many good aspects of that that you can bring into like making bigger studio movies like that kind of concept because for sure studio like like hurry up and wait is such a thing Um, like yeah like there's this throwaway moment way way back just real quick where Junie is on a golf cart and they're zipping down a hallway on the way to the OSS office and he was like that's going to be all green screen. Yeah. And his his builders were like kind of like, oh, but we want to build a set. And he's like, I'm the editor. I can tell you right now this shot is going to be five seconds long. We're green screening it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like in a big regular movie, those are all different departments that want to do work and get paid and stuff. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. True. Uh, uh, Scott, who's your favorite Stallone in this? Who's ooh. your favorite little <laughs> toy maker? Um, oh, boy. Because uh, you got the general. Yeah. You got prof- the professor. And the hippie, and you've one. got the guru. Yeah, I, I, the, yeah. I feel like uh, I don't know that I have a favorite because I, 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 they, I like, I like different aspects of them, right? So, so sure. I love that the professor has a gold chain necklace with the letter S on it. I want to know oh, what wow, the story yeah. behind that is. The idea of like the nerd scientist with a gold chain necklace is like really <laughs> funny to me. Um, <laughs> I love the way that he talks as the guru. I think that that's a lot of fun. And then I love, I don't know what the accent is on the German, like the German general. Is it German? Right, yeah. I don't yeah. know. The general. With his like helmet. Yeah. yeah. The, ge- the general has like this really weird accent. And I'm like, I don't know what you're doing, but I am fascinated by it. So. Yeah. 
and I think this also had a maybe had something to do with why Stallone is like, oh, I'm I've never been asked to do this before. I never get asked to play big goofy characters. Yeah. I think oh, even no. to this day, I don't think I've seen him play the professor ever again. And I was very intrigued seeing that shade from him. Yeah. 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 He's never smart in a movie. And so it's like very interesting. I take that back. My favorite Stallone is George Clooney. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Uh, did you did you watch it till the end of the credits? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Clooney yeah. didn't know they were filming when he when he did that. Oh, Yeah. That's something Rodriguez likes to do, especially with the kids, is he'll sometimes film rehearsals because he thinks they're more like natural and like unguarded. Yeah. So he's like, oh, we've been filming this whole time? Because it's digital. Yeah. No. That's not wasting any money. So <laughs> uh, they get off the moon. Uh, he gets ejected out of his Jaeger, his battle mm-hmm. neck, um, gets ejected uh, back to uh, Earth. Yeah. Sure. I don't, yeah, I don't know what any of that means in the context of this game race car world right yeah yeah essentially yeah he's back in this city this is when he walks in front of the billboard and the beta testers are like oh he's the guy from the poster Mm. and uh the the prophecy of the rules of this game (laughs) (laughs) say that the guy from the poster is going to lead us to to level five yeah the, the prophecy that's inside of the manual yes but like the the cool one rez doesn't believe it because he's like this this kid's a tool no way is he the guy and so they have to go into the mega race yeah which is in which they all climb onto vehicles which then go inside of larger vehicles yeah just like guillermo del toro and pacific rim do you think the wachowskis watched this scene and uh thought of speed racer because (laughs) yeah no for sure i i I definitely thought of speed racer and i was like i'm not I know, I know. On a technical level, Speed Racer is better. Is oh, a better movie. Yeah. yeah, but emotionally, like this ripped. This is my favorite part of the movie. This actually. is yeah. Th- this this in the lava chase were the two scenes where I was like, okay, this yeah. I can if I squint, this holds up. I think. Yeah, yeah. Th- this also reminded me the most of Ready Player One because of the racing sequence mm. in Ready Player One. The, yeah. the race I think that no one can beat me. until you go in reverse. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but this is great. And it was really when I was like, oh, yeah, Robert Rodriguez is a great action director mm-hmm. because this is all just like, you know, it's it, they're just like there's none, none the, yeah, like I said, none of this is real. But you could feel the kinetic like that part when they that a vertigo you get when they're going through the tunnel and the drop. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I still That's remember cool. the part where Rez does the the punching glove gun uh, and it yeah. flies at the camera three times. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And and this was all like uh, back in the day, you a 3D effect was literally just like pointing at the camera because it had to be physical. But now you can make digital effects that can be like be 3D, like the little goop and molecules that float around. Yeah. yeah. It's um, why in the in the era of like the big 3D era, right, when everything mm-hmm. was post converted, the movies that look the best were always the animated ones. Because right. you can post convert an animated film and it's no different than making the rest of the animated film because yeah, it's all in point. post, you know? So, so yeah, so the mega race happens. He's saved. Junie is saved by grandpa. Grandpa and his big whip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he gets saved um, and then ends up winning the race. And then they're like, oh, he is the guy. And they're like, all right. Mm-hmm fine i guess he but is. then Demi- dimitra's back and there's this weird moment where she's like i met the guy so i know you're not the guy so oh oh maybe the guy is also an npc yeah 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They, never, was... they don't ever explain like where he came from, right? He just mm-hmm. shows up. He no. Shows up. Yeah. He, he comes from like a portal, right? Well, yeah. yeah I just mean like like he's. They don't ever be like, yeah. I I'm I. You know, like how the beta testers are beta testers, so they have a right. Yeah. They have a position outside of the game, but like right. there the, no. there isn't. Yeah, there isn't a real kid playing as the guy in real life. He was like a an NPC. The the toy. They should yeah. have cut to real life Elijah Wood in his bedroom, being like, "Oh, I died in the game. Oh, that would have been fuck. Like I it. died. <laughs> oh, fuck me. I died. Oh, fuck me." <laughs> Just like on the well, set of like on the set of Return of the King or something. Oh, he's like in his Frodo. Yeah, that would be great. His, God yeah, damn that it. Been... <laughs> so uh, so yeah. So like now there's like a now. Oh, I almost said yeah. Now there's a fellowship. Um, yeah. Yes. The grandpa, yeah. the beta testers, Demetra and Junie. Yeah. And this is where we meet the hackers, right? Or the the coders, the, the programmers, the, the the programmers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um. This is w- there's this there's this moment where they're both hanging off the sides of buildings and they're like silhouettes and I'm like oh he's gonna do Sin City after this isn't he and sure enough I looked up in the IMDb and he <laughs> sure did that's true that's another like you know oh like you can see the the wheels turning of like what else can I do in this green screen space yeah that's another yeah. that and Shark Boy and Lava Girl came out within months of each other right yep T- yeah 2005 Holy yeah dude he yeah. just likes to do like two at a time. Yeah. Yeah, he's like yeah. Uh, he's a real real Ridley Scott. Real yeah, freak. it's interesting comparing this era of Robert Rodriguez to uh this similar at the same time the uh motion capture era of Bobby Z, Robert Zemeckis. Right. Because I'll be honest, Robert Rodriguez does a lot more with his experimental section. Yes. versus Zemeckis who just kind of made the same movie three times. Right. And the difference is like unlimited resources and toys and very limited. Yeah. 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 I just think Robert Rodriguez has a more vivid imagination than than Zemeckis, yeah, like, maybe. Like, like when I think about Beowulf, so much of Beowulf feels so like there is no I don't feel anything that happens in that movie like viscerally when like right. people get shot or not shot, but like stabbed or jumping off of cliffs and stuff. Yeah. 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 I think about that Christmas Carol one where I mean, it, it literally is just. The Christmas Carol, but but animated. Like it, it, I might as well have seen the play. Like and with Jim Carrey playing every role. Yes. Yeah, and we're like, is that yeah. the only? Is that what's supposed to get me oh, into the theater? Weird. Holy shit! Speaking yeah. of connections, Junie played Hero Kid in uh, Polar oh. Express. That was, oh, that is oh that my was gosh. Junie. Yeah. Wow, that's very true. I thought you were going. My revelation was Jim Carrey would have also made a great Spy Kids villain. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I oh, mean, you know they literally thought of him just originally literally for just put the Spy Maker. Kids in the next Sonic movie. Honestly, I mean it's yeah. Uh, yeah, Spy Kids meets Sonic. Yeah, why not? <laughs> um, um, but yeah, you know the the scene where the grandpa picks up the programmers. They were never in the same room. The camera just like moved up on a on yeah. dolly. Yeah, and and I I I think that that it shows. Um, yeah. <laughs> So, okay, so the toy maker is like having second thoughts about how all of this is working and he's wondering if they're doing the right thing. And he's like, well, I'm going to give him a better chance by giving him some extra lives. So he sends Junie a bonus life and then Junie, like an idiot, gives it to an NPC. So this is another case of Junie doing something fatally stupid in the name of kindness. She like scraped her knee and he gives her like so. Okay, so here's okay. In, def- in, in Junie's defense, uh, Junie had four life points. Uh, I almost called her La Cienica. De- 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 Demetra had three yeah. life points. 
Yes. And I think this is exactly what this kind of kid would do when playing a video game. Yeah. Yes. Of like trying to get the girl character to like, like Fable. Yeah. Yes. I don't disagree, but then like this leads. Like, you know, into the, the, what I call the reverse lightsaber fight where the light, yeah. the lightsaber part <laughs> is the middle of the blade. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the part they hold. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it's a wasted act because, yeah, the yeah. just is, is immediately killed. Yeah. Cause she tags yes. out with him when he gets, uh, a half a life, which we didn't even know was a thing at this point, but like <laughs> is apparently a yeah. thing. So, so, and then, yeah, the rules of this game is if you lose this lightsaber fight, um, you immediately get a game over. So, like, regardless of whether she had three lives or nine lives, she was gonna die. It was, yeah. it yeah. was over. So, I, uh, I kind of like, like, within all of the insanity going on in this scene, the injected maturity that, like, when the fight is over, they go right back to being friends again. And he has that line of, like, sorry, Junie, it's my family, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Just so real and, like, mature after yeah, yeah. what we just the, watched. So Arnold, yeah, Arnold is like, there's this great, I mean, I don't know how I didn't see it coming, but Junior's like, hey, Arnold, tell me about your backstory. And he's like, well, I'm pretty poor and, like, I'm trying to win the prize money for my family. And then immediately they have to fight each other. Yes. And Junior's like, I can't beat you, Arnold. And he's like, I know. I'm like, fuck. That's. I think that's the most real the stakes ever really, like, felt to me in the movie was, like, the Arnold stuff. And then he immediately goes back to being, like, an ancillary character. <laughs> yeah so yeah but Demetra dies and yeah Junie forgives Arnold immediately they don't even you know it's like yeah. hey rules of the game man yeah yeah no big deal. That, that's when you are causing so much pain happens mm-hmm. yes yeah you're causing so much pain and only I can defeat you mm-hmm. he says he says to a butterfly and then we move on to level four and the return <laughs> of Carmen finally 49 minutes into the movie yeah of of 80 minutes where the credits start right so she's in 30 <laughs> right. minutes yeah. of this movie yeah. So, Rodriguez mentioned in the commentary that upon the film's release, a criticism he got a lot was that there wasn't enough Carmen, mm-hmm. there wasn't enough Spy Kids. And his defense of that was, again, this was another movie. Yeah. That was like, you know, it was always going to be a sibling looking for another sibling. B, he was like, yeah, Carmen is like a hacker. Carmen's like really tech savvy. So she would just go through this like on a speed run. Right. So it's it's not as interesting with Carmen. And C, he was like, why do people want the same thing? This is different. It's it's going to be different than the other two. Like, deal with it. And I'm my is like, okay, I can appreciate that. But I think what we're replaced with doesn't it's not equal because these these uh, beta testers are nowhere near as fun to be around no. as Carmen. No. Do you think that if they had just like straight up replaced her with the Demetra role, like if when we met Carmen, it was in the stadium Whoa, and they had had yeah. to fight each other, that would be and they, oh yeah, and then maybe and then they got separated again until the race. I mean, like she would have only been in it another ten minutes, but yeah, still, the like, idea of like the idea of of you never see that character's face. Like you have her in the helmet, like she is in the rate in the mega race the mm-hmm. whole time. And you, you, and then the reveal of like the third time you run into her, the helmet falls off and it's Carmen. And he's like, what? Mm-hmm. Like that would have yeah. been awesome. Would yeah. Be Cause she's not even, she isn't given a lot to do once she's in the movie as well. I feel like. No. Besides have uh, a claw. She has yeah. a, yeah, she has a very cool, uh, as a kid, I wanted that claw. Very yeah. I think she, I think she has the coolest suit. I yeah. think the pink suit looks yes. the coolest. Yeah, for sure. 
Uh, do you uh, think yeah. Do you think it had anything to do with the fact that like Alexa Vega is like older and is like maybe not as interested in being in this that much? So Rodriguez mentioned another reason was he was like um, Carmen is older at this point. Mm-hmm. Carmen's like sixteen. So she was like, would she even be doing as much Spy Kids stuff? Right. But she is. So I don't know what that means. But yeah, yeah I don't. I think these were shots so close to one another. Yeah. That I don't think she she had time for her interest to wane. Okay. Yeah. But I, I think he was aware, like, this is the last one. At the time, he was like, this is the last one because, yeah, they're all going to go off and do things, presumably. Yeah. And, uh, and those things were right. mostly voice acting for the yeah. most sure. of them. Yeah. Um, but uh, okay, so so Carmen returns in this big like epic shot with a wind machine. It's like thirty seconds. It's like thirty seconds of like a camera pushing in on her. And her uh, Rez is like immediately into her, right? Like from the moment he sees yeah. her. Okay, yeah. yeah, all three of them are definitely. They they collect Rez gives her all of their email addresses at the end. Yeah, he's like, hey, fair is fair. Like email the one that you like the most, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, that's how we did it in eighth grade. <laughs> yeah. The tanker toys show up, mm-hmm. and uh, this leads to the surfing on lava sequence. Yeah. I did um, like uh, what what's worse, the lava or tanker toys, tinker toys. I like yeah. that. That was a fun mm-hmm. kind of speed. Uh, Ricardo Montalban, like, smashing a rock and then, like, forcing a, <laughs> surf a surfboard out of it. Like, yes. that ruled. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's great. I. <laughs> I like how he's always it's almost is like a video game because he always has like words of encouragement when he passes by, like ride the wave, yes. Junie. Like yeah. uh they all get submerged in lava and they wake up in the final level, right? Right. Well, and then and then this is when we get uh the other part of the prophecy that uh they didn't read before in the manual. The deceit yeah, the, the deceiver. deceiver. Um someone yeah. who claims to be the guy who isn't yeah. the guy, which doesn't even end up being true because at first you're like, oh, Elijah Wood is the deceiver. He's saying that he's the guy, but he's not really the guy. But then it turns out to be Demetra, but Demetra was never the guy. So maybe it's just a guy. On? She she said, hey, I'm a guy. I'm I'm a person. <laughs> but she wasn't. Well, that was the guy. deceiving. <laughs> yeah. And this is. Yeah. And like we're with these guys like the whole movie. Yeah. And they they suck. They don't trust Junie. Yeah. Arnold's pretty cool, I guess. They flip they immediately go, fuck you, Junie. Elijah Wood is the guy. And then he, his his corpse hasn't even like stiffened and they've already like, no, you're the guy again. Oh man. Yeah. Um Are we at Elijah Wood? Yeah, Elijah Wood comes out of a portal and he's like, I'm the guy. From the faculty. Right. So yeah, he called called Elijah Wood up and he was like, Hey, I have this idea. We can wrap you in a day. We just think it'd be really cool. He is wearing Junie's suit. They painted Junie's suit silver. Oh, so he's like wearing like the pieces. Yeah. Like the orange pieces. Got it. Got mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And they like they and they just like, yeah, they just I'm not gonna I'm not gonna build more suits. Right. So do you think that they shot that after they shot Junie out in the suit? And they I were think like, well, so. we're going to spray paint the suit now. Yeah. Yeah. And then, <laughs> okay. the, and then the kids came on set to, yeah. Wow. Um, he also thought, uh, Rodriguez thought it was funny if they made, re- uh, they did reverse Lord of the Rings where Elijah Wood is really big and has to lean down and talk to the kids and the kids have to look up at him. <laughs> that is great. great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I uh, think, I mean, this is kind of, I think arguably the scene that has the most 
cultural i think people i don't know i feel like this comes up every now and again well, and this, so this is what i was alluding to earlier when i was said that there are a couple scenes or like ideas in this movie that i feel like this is the earliest i can date that back the okay. introducing of like i'm the hero now and then instantly killing them has shown up in like so many movies since but i don't think I've seen one earlier than this. Like, this felt like the most yeah. culturally iconic to me this early. Right. Mm. Yeah. The like, I, the only thing it kind of reminds me of is the Deep Blue Sea joke. Reno 911, the movie, when they bring in The Rock and he like right. instantly blows up. Like, yeah. Um, I, I remember thinking this was cool. I remember being like, oh, Elijah Wood, because this is like the year Return of the King came out. Right. Uh, Scott, did you know about this already? About Elijah Wood in this? Yeah, yeah, because I've seen the gif of him walking out of the portal like a billion times. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Weirdly, did you know? Did you know he was going to die immediately? No, I did not know that. Okay. Was yeah. that fun for you? Uh yeah, it was fun. I yeah, this, this whole <laughs> this whole period of the movie is is weird because it's like Elijah Wood shows up and you're like, oh, what's he going to do? Oh, immediately die. And yeah. then and then you have Junie being like, this is my girlfriend, and she's like, yeah, I am his girlfriend. But also, I'm not real. Which is like, yeah, you know, um, Rodriguez H for the last two movies. Rodriguez was like, okay, I need, I want to write this and direct this like I'm a child. I yeah. want this to feel like the imagination of a child, and I think it's been working well. But this also feels like a story a little kid would write, but not yes. in a great way. You know, yeah. and again, I think something where if you had just replaced Carmen in that Demetra role, you wouldn't have had to have that second reveal. Because I think Scott's right; like having that second reveal right after the Elijah Wood moment, a clutters like seven right. minutes of like an 80 minute movie with just like talking it 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 feels like you know you are you can picture a kid with action figures and it's like but i'm not real oh yes but you are the guy no you're the deceiver like back and forth yeah. it's like it's uh, a three minute sequence like it, i mean literally it's like three to five minutes right i want to mm -hmm. say three minutes because this movie moves so fast it does move quick it so, does yeah. so i feel like it's a three minute sequence in which we're introduced to the idea of a guy deceiver <laughs> Elijah Wood as the real guy, Elijah Wood being killed, uh, Demetra being an NPC, and it, she is, in fact, the deceiver. So yeah. it, the, the concept of the deceiver is introduced and paid off <laughs> in a three-minute sequence. Yeah, and sandwiched with a, the death of a child. It yeah. is bonkers. Um, it's busy. It's very yeah. busy. Yeah. Um, the monkey robots come. The, those, like, mm -hmm. big, big, big gorilla robots. Yep. Um, but then they get out to, they get the exit and yeah, well, we, well, we get the, uh, Ricardo Montalban right. saying like, I'm only going to leave if like, you know, you look at me like I'm like a superhero and I don't want to lose that. And he's like, you won't grandpa. And then like, that's kind of like the, the wraparound they do. I, I think how they redeem mega legs. Right. They do. Yeah. But then because they spend so little time outside of the game, Yes. You don't actually get a moment, I don't think, it, like, where Junie does look at him like that. Like, there's not right. that moment of, like, recognition of, like, oh, he is looking at me like that. And I am in the chair. And it, it he does respect me and, you know, feel, yeah. feel like I'm a hero. Like, they have this conversation, but there's no payoff to it, I feel like. I guess you could argue uh, the pride Junie feels when Grandpa chooses, like, when they, when they, ball, when they both step out of the monkey together. Yeah. Or it wasn't. It was a Stallone robot, right? Stallone but, robot. Yeah, yeah. But I think it would also would have been cooler if there had been a moment where, like, 
Junie doesn't do that in act one. Right. Of like, maybe they're like, at, they're going somewhere and Junie is like protective of the grandpa or like, oh, don't worry, grandpa. I, I can help you. Like doesn't. And the grandpa's like, oh, but I'm still, that's not who I am. I'm vital. Yeah. I'm vital. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I can well, still. And the, the, the grandma too, she shows up, but doesn't. I don't think we ever get a shot of her doing anything after she shows up, right? No, no. I don't even think she has a line. I think she's b- basically no. a featured extra in this movie. Yeah, she she yeah. she has like a pose and it says grandma, and then we see her at I, the very I, end and she's hugging everyone. I, I think she I think she does say like uh oh or like look up there. <laughs> That's not a line. That's a but sound. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but no, God. definitely not yeah, definitely under underusing Holland Taylor. Yeah. Um but yeah, so we leave the game. Mike Judge has that joke about like, well, those, the video games are murder on the eyes, huh? Yeah. And then we find out that he both turned off. There was There's two switches right next to each other. One that yeah. would release the toy maker and the other one that would turn off the game. And uh, Grandpa flipped both of them. Um, so he turned mm-hmm. off the game, but also released Let the toy the maker. Toy maker. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we get the George Clooney turning into Sylvester Stallone. And and during this period, during this last period, we realize that the connection that they have is that the toy maker paralyzed Grandpa thirty years ago. Yeah, like like Grandpa or like they were both in the OSS together, and then like GoldenEye style, Sylvester Stallone had a heel turn, and then in the ensuing chaos, Grandpa lost use of his legs. Right. Yeah. And the whole time they're like, "Oh, you can't put Grandpa alone in a room with the toy maker, or he'll like fucking murder him." Right. And then we get, to me, the highlight of the movie. The video game has come to life, has come into the real world. This time it's for real. That you could only and... see with the glasses. Yeah, yes. So we already, we, so we all have to put our glasses, glasses back on quick. now. I think glasses, my yeah. favorite part about this, though, is that there's only one hero pair of glasses, which is being worn by Junie. Everyone mm-hmm. else is wearing cardboard glasses. Yes. Yeah, the glasses of the audience. Uh, except yeah. my, my favorite joke in the entire movie, Steve Buscemi gets the exact same cracked pair of glasses. <laughs> yes. He's like, no, they're perfect. perfect. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So I w- I've been really anticipating. Uh, Scott, did you know this moment was coming? Which moment? The, the, the calling call in every- of the guard. Yeah. So, no, but I have seen that gif of calling everyone. And, and oh, okay. I, I don't. So I didn't know that it was about to happen until they were like, oh, it's not enough people. He calls in his family. He's like, it's not enough people. And then I was like, oh, everyone. Oh, yeah. like it, it like him. trickled out through my brain. And then I was like, right. oh, the gif and the OK, got it. Yeah. Nick, All I of- uh, I was thinking about you during the Antonio Banderas brain scene. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that is some of the best comedic acting that maybe he's ever done. I completely oh, yeah. forgot about that scene. And I, I thought particularly you were probably cracking up watching it. It was very, very oh, more yeah. kind of humor. Yeah, it, it was great. And uh, so a bit of bit of note, uh, everything with Antonio Banderas was the first thing, the first stuff filmed. He, that, they so filmed, the the fifth yeah. brain scene and the OK, mm-hmm. wow, he they weren't even done writing the script. They knew they had to film Antonio Banderas first because he was about to go be on Broadway. He was going to be in nine and ultimately win a Tony Award. Wow. Uh, for the musical nine. But yeah, so he was like, hey, uh, here's your monologue. And he's like, monologue? And like, yeah, you're going to you have this long monologue. Like, Robert, I just have it. So, but then by the time they were done with like setting up, he memorized that whole, like, this is it, the most important moment of my yeah. life and blah, blah, blah. So there's this really beautiful part where Antonio is just like pointing and giving thumbs up at 
Junie. Yeah. And he, like, he had no idea what he was doing. Yeah. Like, okay, then the thing happens and you're happy for them. And he's like, oh, hey, all right, cool. All right, get out of here. That's another, like, that That scene, him dissecting the brain is another of, like, Robert Rodriguez uh, injecting, like, such real-world sincerity. Like, him giving a monologue about how important it is to dissect this brain. And the second he hears that his son is in danger, mm-hmm. he not only leaves, he, <laughs> he blasts the brains, like, across the room. Get out of my them. way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> To get to his son. I think that that's Uh, so great, yeah. Scott, did you appreciate that he was working on the third brain technology again? Yeah. Kind of carry over? Yeah. So, and yeah, we get, like we said, we get everybody. We get Floop and Minion. Uh, Is there anyone missing from this? Oh, uh, yes. uh, Terry Hatcher is missing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The bad, but she was a bad guy. Well, yeah, but so was. was, Oh, she's the only, only unredeemed bad guy in the series. That's true. Yeah. Is she two or one? One. She's like the money penny, and then she like turns out to be a traitor. Right. Okay. I forgot. I forgot too. Yeah. When I, I rewatch it again. So uh, we. So she's the only one that doesn't come back. Yeah. <laughs> that Bill Paxton the, having the time of his absolute life. Yeah. So we didn't learn this in movie two, but uh, Bill Paxton's character name is Dinky Winks. Yeah. <laughs> Big Beetlejuice energy. This character. Did somebody ring the dinkster? Yeah. He. He he holds down a robot so that he can brand his bottom, and it causes the robot like excruciating pain. Yeah, uh, the toy maker, so- much like the droids in Star Wars, the toy maker programmed them to feel pain, <laughs> to like to feel yeah. skin pain too. Like not even like piercing. Uh, like yeah, Scott, were you happy to see Dinky Winks again? I know he he was a highlight for you in Spy Kids. Too. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was fun. I was surprised because I was like. <laughs> Why him? Why are we calling him in? I don't know. Yeah. So uh, they call up Bill Paxton and Paxton was like, I'd love to do it. Um, I have my son. Can I bring my son with me to film? And what if Dink had like a son? So, oh, hell yeah. So that's his real life son. That's yeah, Brandon daddy's son. Oh, my gosh. That's so fun yeah. to be able to do that with your dad. And then, yeah, the, the giggles is are in it. Gary looks even older than he did last time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Gary looks like like 25 in this movie yeah <laughs> is that that's everyone right that's everyone that shows up oh oh uh, then yeah oh oh we get uh so machete uh, cheech marin right so Did yeah he... yeah yeah we get the uh the uncle payoff scott Did yes you like that yeah but i'm there but i'm their uncle yeah that was pretty good mm-hmm. like his that. boots don't work as well Whoa! <laughs> even though he too was a traitor in the previous film yeah right yeah wow terry hatcher well i mean Seeing Floop show up was weird to me because, like, I haven't seen one in a while, but I remember, like, uh, uh, Tony Shalhoub is doing some mean stuff in that movie, right? Like, yeah. yeah. You you think Floop is the bad guy, but then it's Minion. And then, yeah, just like Donegan, they just forgive him and let him still hang out with them. Yeah. Yeah. So Valentine goes up to the Sylvester Stallone robot, and he, I remember being really uh, surprised and affected by this scene where. He's like, I didn't come up here to, you know, kill you. I came up here to forgive you. Like, let me tell you all the things that, like, yeah. you took away. Yeah, that was a great moment. And again, like you said, Scott, Ricardo Montalban just, like, committing 110%. Yeah, you, t- you took all of this from me, but these are the good things that happened to it. So I'm yeah. here to tell you that it's kind of a wash and you're forgiven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it kind of evened out. Yeah. And uh, a lot of those lines, Rodriguez let Montalban kind of write it himself. Oh, wow. Uh, him listing the things, the good things to have come from being in a in a wheelchair, those are like 
the actual things that Ricardo Montalban uh, felt. Wow, uh, you can feel that. That's, yeah, yeah. That's the reason why I have such mixed feelings about his arc in this movie because it feels genuine, but also there's a lot of parts where you're like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, the, yeah. the mega legs. Yeah, the I mega think it's just the the wish fulfillment of it is just kind of like eerie. Like, yeah. like how excited he is about the fulfillment of yeah, yeah. yeah and then they all go all hands in, uh, and uh, that's it. <laughs> that's Stallone gets the it, final line. Yeah, it's fast. They're like, and yeah. the movie's over. Get out of here. Yeah, <laughs> leave. No more spy what? kids. Yeah, which is interesting for it to be the trilogy closer that like there's not even like remotely an epilogue for us to see like where these characters end up no well they all end up in five minutes after this battle (laughs) yeah that's true (laughs) um and yeah it's it's yeah like it's you know there's a uh, luxa vega has another theme song at the end called game over yeah uh for now says the song yeah so nothing that i studied had any indication that he planned on keeping this going so it'll be interesting to see what brought him back in 2011 yeah with the new cast God, I might, new characters the whole i movie. might watch spy kids for i'm not even going to be on that episode but just to because now sure. i am curious i've never seen it so so ends the og trilogy yeah hunter any final thoughts on the spy kids series and spy kids 3d <laughs> I don't think I've seen a movie visually that's held up worse um, than Spy Kids 3, <laughs> but I think, yeah, I mean, I think, like, hearing you talk about it so much, like, his heart was so clearly in the right place, and I think, like, kind of the way that when you would watch, like, an independent film, maybe that your friends, like, made with a shoestring budget in college and, like, taped together, it was going to be an hour and a half, and now it's, like, 45 right, right. minutes, like... There's an energy to it where it's like you can see the effort that went into making this and the kind of like, you know, um, like, again, shoestring energy. Running yeah, like, through it. And I like, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, there's a lot. There's a, a charm and a yeah, just a charm and a warmth to this that I think is yeah missing from stuff like the Zemeckis performance capture stuff. Or, yeah. You know, bigger movies. Yeah, yes. I think I think it's cool. Like he he's a very uh, he he has the mind of a child in a good way. Like I think he <laughs> does he does like the the you know same thing with Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Like I would watch that again today just because there are I remember they go to Cookie River and there there's like mm-hmm. a part where they're in like Dessert World like Planet yeah. Drool. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, I his brain is very interesting. I have you guys watched or are y'all going to talk about the We Could Be Heroes movies or whatever the We've 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 been told about them by like you know hey you should watch this I think like I don't know I haven't seen it because the the kids are even younger it's like, not the kids, it's not Spy Kids though it's Shark Boy and Lava Girl right I think so yeah, yeah. Okay. but every okay but I think this the kids are like five in that one they're yeah. even younger than Carmen and yeah. Junior were Scott what were your so yeah final thoughts on Spy Kids three you know I I think it ends really abruptly I think he did the best that he could with getting everyone together, like having the bring in everyone. It, it it does feel a little bit of like, of like a shortcut to a trilogy capper. Mm-hmm. Yes. But yeah. it, and it's weird that, you know, despite all of his defense of it, it doesn't feel like a spy kids movie. Um, really at mm-hmm. all, uh, <laughs> compared to the last two. <laughs> well, there's no spying. No, no, there's right. no spying. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's not a Spy Kids movie. It, it almost kind of like, as much as I love that final, like, bring in everyone and it brings me so much joy, it does feel like really tacked on. Yes. Because, yes. like, yeah. 
Especially considering they don't do anything, you know? Like, (laughs) it's all down to Grandpa, ultimately. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I Um, think if they had taken the time to do, like, another mysterious island or something like that, where they had, like, put forth the effort into doing, like, a, a, a third one. Because, yeah. like, uh, Scott was, we were having a good time last week talking about, like, the world of the OSS that's being built of, like, agents and getting assignments and drama. And, like, none of that comes into play at all in this no. no, No. No. So I'm not, this is definitely my least favorite of the three. Yeah. But I think that it's, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I guess, yeah, I just have mixed feelings because it's just, it's not a Spy Kids movie. And like, like literally it wasn't even thought to be a Spy Kids movie. It's only right. a Spy Kids movie by, through convenience, you know, of, <laughs> right. you know, not wanting to write an act one. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, yeah, I got mixed feelings about it. Mm-hmm. I think, I think, uh, I think Junie's really good in it. Um, I think that it's surprising how well he holds the movie. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. This probably is the weakest one, but yeah, there is like, yeah, a lot of fun stuff. I'm almost... Scott, are you more interested to watch Sharkboy and Lava Girl or Spy Kids 4? I don't know. I, I feel like <laughs> I'm equally I'm equally interested in both of them, I think. Okay. Yeah. Well Have you it. ever seen Sharkboy and Lava Girl, Scott? No. no. Oh man, you are in for an absolute treat. An absolute <laughs> treat. <laughs> it's weirder than all of the Spy Kids movies. Yes. That's, that's yes. cool. I like that. It's nuts. So we got fun stuff coming next week. Spy Kids all the time in the world with no guest. Right. Just me and Scott. Because we've never, I've never seen any of these, but Nick hasn't seen it either. And so it feels weird to have a guest on, on talking to talk yeah. about a movie that neither of um, us have seen. Yeah. But uh, H, thank you for being on. Uh, anything you want to plug? You, you've created your own worlds yourself as, a, as an author. Oh yes. Uh yeah, no, um I'm working on some books right now um that hopefully will come out in the next decade. Um and besides that I'm doing stand up. Um the stand up scene's kind of opening back up again, but not but then closing again. I'm at the comedy chateau, but uh it will have happened by the time this podcast comes out. So yeah. um just look me up on Instagram. My name's Hunter Kennedy and you can see what I'm up to. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for being on the show and we will see you all in good time with Spy Kids 4. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.